Not today, huh, Judah? Not feeling it? I bet you know all the answers to my pop quiz, though. Do you know the Ten Commandments? I bet you do. All right. <laughs> That's okay. No pressure to come forward. All right, guys. So, like I said, my pop quiz today is do you know the Ten Commandments? Do you know any of the Ten Commandments? You don't have to know them in order or anything. Do not murder us or steal. That's right. That's two of them. Those are important ones, right? Don't murder or steal. Do you know any of them, Luke? Can't think of any of I know. It was a pop quiz. I, I, I didn't tell you I was going to do that. So do you have any rules at your house that your parents give to you? Sometimes do you all have like a bedtime curfew or like it's a rule that you always have to take your plate to the sink when you're done with it or no TV except for this amount of time. Do y'all have rules at your house too? Yeah? I have to share with my brother when he, he asks if I want to replenish his game. Oh, that's nice that your brother shares his video game sometimes. Um, so what happens if we break a rule at our house? Do our parents say, okay, well, you didn't get to bed on time, so I'm going to kick you out of the house now, and you can't live here anymore? Is that what they do? No. Do they forgive you guys and say, okay, we're going to do better next time, right? Well, God gave us a rule list, the Ten Commandments, but it's not just rules. They are things. Huh? What was another one? Don't praise any God except for our God. That's an important one. See, I knew you knew the Ten Commandments, Judah. I knew you'd know my pop quiz today. Do you know any, Deb, you want to share? No? Okay, so what happens if we accidentally mess up on the Ten Commandments? If we accidentally lie, or if we don't honor our father or mother, or we don't remember to keep the Sabbath holy, does God say, okay, that's it, you're kicked out of the church now? No. What does God do? Does God give us grace? Yes. Uh-huh. He forgives us. God does forgive us over and over and over again because God loves us, right? Just like our parents love us, even when we're not perfect with our rules, right? Okay, well, we're going to go and we're going to learn a little bit more about the Ten Commandments in Children's Church. You can either stay in here with your parents. We have children's holders for you to color in here, or you can come with me to Children's Church after this. Your choice. Um, but would you guys pray with me first? All right, let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us no matter what. Thank you for choosing us and for always being with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, let's head on out to Children's Church. Uh, but we are going to read the bit about the Ten Commandments today. We're actually going to back up to chapter 19 read a little bit about that, and then we'll go into the Ten Commandments. You know, we're in the narrative lectionary. We're going through the story of God's people, and, uh, well, we'll talk about it, but let's read it first. Here, now a word from the Lord, Exodus 19, beginning in verse 3. Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, 
but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. The people all answered as one, Everything that the Lord has spoken we will do. Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in the six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. The Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, uh, some of you know this. I uh, had the honor and the privilege of um, performing a wedding ceremony for my son and his fiance last night at our house. Yep, it was uh, it was a cool event. Um, they decided they were Levi. You know, loves this girl. He's been with her forever. And pops the question. She says yes, and he calls me and says. Hey, would you do this service? I, yeah, of course I'll do this service. He said, can we do it next week? Yeah, we can do that. Can I come up to your house? Can we do it at your house? Yes. We had about 35 people uh, show up and had, just had a, lo it was a lovely evening. The weather was great, Mike. Had a lovely evening. And uh, you, know, you can imagine as a dad, being able to do that for your son was just really, really special, special time. You know, Levi and Micah have been together for, for quite some time. I knew they were in love. But I, I kind of wanted to know, uh, I, I asked them, what, what is different for you in getting married? What is the reasoning that you want to get married? You know, you're already in love. You've already committed to each other. So for you, in your mind, what is this doing? And Levi, Levi, he's my kid, right? He said, well, you know, I, I want the world to know how I feel about her. Like, she already knows that I love her and that I'm committed to her, uh, that I want to spend the rest of my life with her. But I, I want to make that public. 
I want to say that out loud in front of God, in front of our friends and family. I want to put a ring on her finger that just shows I have made this vow and I am committed to her. And this is now out there for the universe to see. I've made it public. And I thought, that, you know, that's a pretty good answer. Because there's something about marriage. I don't care how committed you are uh, to, to another person. There is something about marriage that um, ups the ante. You know, the moment that you say, I do, you've got real skin in the game now. Right? And I was reading this story and I thought, boy, God put some skin in the game here. As he approached the Israelites in our passage today. Last week we saw how the Lord is keeping his promises to Abraham. And he delivered the descendants of Abraham out of Egypt, out of slavery. He's leading them to the land that he promised to Abraham. They're on their way. And they're only three months into this trip on the way to the promised land when they end up at Mount Sinai. Now, here's the cool thing. Moses saw the burning bush at this mountain. This is where God revealed God's personal name, Yahweh, the unspeakable name. Even that, to say Yahweh. We don't even know how that's how it's pronounced. And then God says to Moses, here's the sign that you're on the right track. When you end up back at this mountain with a whole nation of people, and you'll worship me right here, then you'll know. And so it's come full circle now. Moses living out in the desert, back to Egypt, guiding the people out with the Lord's power, end up back at this mountain and here it is. And the promises that God made to Abraham, we think about those. There were six of them, right? I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name famous. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. I will bless all of the families of the earth through you. And I will give you land in which to dwell. These six promises. Now think about this. They've become a nation. They lived over 400 years in Egypt, and there they became a nation. God has blessed them now by freeing them from the hand of Pharaoh. They're on their way to the promised land. Two and a half promises have been fulfilled already. God is knocking them out one by one. But three months into this relationship, I don't know if maybe God was feeling sentimental this was the, the mountain where I met Moses the first time. I don't know what it is, but God looks down at his people and says, you know what? I want to make this official. I want to make this official. I want to enter into a lifelong covenant with you. And I want to be your God, and I want you to be my people, and we will belong to each other from here on out. Now, this was not necessary. God has already kept two and a half promises without making this extra commitment. God can certainly keep the promises to Abraham without this extra uh, covenant relationship, without this lifelong personal involvement. In fact, technically, God could keep the promises to Abraham, and when he's done, just wipe his hands and say, well... I did my job. See y'all later and walk off. God could do that theoretically. 
You know, every nation had their gods. The Egyptians had their gods. The Babylonians had their gods. But up until this point, Yahweh is just a god that's helping a nation out. In fact, if you remember, when the Egyptian army was pursuing them, they said, let's turn around and flee the other way because Yahweh is fighting on their behalf. Yahweh, a god, is fighting for these people. But right now, they don't actually belong to each other. And so God pauses at this, at this mountain, Mount Sinai, and says, look, I, I, I want to make another promise to you. Now, this is a conditional promise. The promises to Abraham, non-conditional. God just says, look, I'm going to do this. I promise. No matter how you react or how you respond, I'm going to do this for you, Abraham. This one, though, is a conditional promise. Here's the promise. I will be faithful to you to the end of time if you will be faithful to me. And I will belong to you, and you will belong to me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. That's the promise that's made. And so then what God does through the rest of the book of Exodus, we're not going to get to read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, because we've got we to gotta get moving ahead in the story. We've got to get to Jesus by Christmas time. So we're going to move ahead. But what you see in the rest of those books is that God begins to lay out the plan for what it looks like to be faithful in this new relationship. 613 laws total God will give them, governing them as a people, teaching them how to be a nation, how to be a faithful nation, how to actually be attached to their own God, what it means to have a God that is with them and for them. And he starts out with the Ten Commandments. We all know the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments are just the first ten of 613 of them. But they're kind of a general overview. And we just saw in this video, they can generally be uh, put in two categories. Love God, love neighbor. Right? The first three, I'm going I'm to disagree with this video for just a second. Commands one through three were about how to love God. Don't put any other gods before me. Don't make any other idols or bow down to them. And don't tarnish my name. Now, the second category, wait, well, I got to say this. Don't tarnish my name. I, I hadn't thought about this until I was neck deep in weddings and stuff. Sorry, did I move, Joe? I'm moving. Joe's like, just stand in one place. You know, traditionally, uh, when a, a man and woman get married, traditionally, the woman takes the man's last name, right? Take that on. So Micah now is Calvert, Micah Calvert. If the husband's name has some kind of honor or prestige attached to it, then to disgrace that name in some form or fashion could be disastrous for the family or the family name. We're watching, Elaine and I are watching The Crown right now about Queen Elizabeth II. You know, when she, in her coronation, she kept her father's name, her maiden name, Windsor, because Windsor had more power and prestige than Mountbatten, her husband's last name. Right? They knew. Last names are important. And so she attached herself to her father's name. And then to, to, to uh, drag the Windsor name through the mud could be disastrous for the line. And so when God says, don't take my name in vain, I think this is what's going on here. We, we typically think, oh, that means don't use God's name in any curse words. Don't say GD, which it might mean that too. But I think more than that, it means... I am Yahweh, 
creator of the universe. I am the all in all. Don't drag my name through the mud because it's yours now. Right? Israel, you belong to Yahweh. You carry the name Yahweh. But don't drag my name through the mud. Anyway, that's a side. That's a freebie right there. Okay, second category though, commandments 5 through 10. This is how to love one another, how to love your neighbor. Honor your parents. Don't kill each other. Duh. Don't mess around with, with anybody else's spouse. Don't steal anything from anybody else. Don't say false things about each other. And don't lust after anything that anybody else has. Don't spend all your time wishing you had your neighbor's plow. Okay? But then what about four? Commandment four, that's a special one. That's a special one. That video lumped it into the first category. Take a break on the seventh day. Make sure to rest. Everybody and everything, every animal, every person, the land, your fields, everything, shut it down for a day. Rest. Right? And Jesus was asked, this smart aleck came up to him and said, Jesus, out of the 613 laws, which one is the most important? He said, oh, that's easy. Love God. And the second one is just as important. Love your neighbor as you Love yourself. How many things are loved there? Three. Love God, love neighbor, love yourself. The Ten Commandments fall into those three loves. The first three, love God. Number four, love yourself. You need to take a break. Self-care. Make sure you're taking care of yourself. That's the last part, love your neighbor. All of the Ten Commandments fits into these categories. And then Jesus says, by the way, you need to remember the commandments were created to serve you, not the other way around. The commandments exist for your benefit. God says rest on the seventh day because you need to rest. And if you don't rest, you'll burn yourself out. The laws were made for you. You know, when I do weddings, I typically try to counsel People, I'll get together with the couple. I want to ask them some questions, get to know them a little bit, find out who they are, how do they get to this point. One of the things that I want to communicate when I'm counseling people for marriage is I take the vows seriously, and I think you should too. Wedding vows. They're serious. You should not enter into marriage lightly. Think about what you're doing, because this is a lifelong commitment that you're making here. I said this to Levi and Micah. I want you to understand what you're doing right now. And I wonder if the people in this story really took into account the gravity of what God was proposing. Because when Moses came back and told the people, this is what God wants to do, they didn't even pause. They said, we're in. Put a ring on it, God. Let's do it. We're all in. Let's get hitched. Of course, as we will see in the story going forward, you guys probably already know this, the people were not faithful to the covenant. Love God, love neighbor. Well, they routinely turned to other gods. Loving neighbor, they were terrible at loving each other. I mean, they, they were pretty cruel to each other, particularly those on the margins. God has a lot to say about the orphans and the widows, uh, you know, the poorest of the poor. When you start messing with those people, God gets a little upset. And so time and again, they're, they're not being faithful to God. And God, several times in the story, he's going to threaten to divorce them. 
but he just can't bring himself to do it. Just can't do it. There's, there's some passages that are just filled with that tension. God's going, man, I am so upset. <laughs> and then he says, but how can I leave you? How can I leave my love? God invests his own name and his love into this new relationship. And we have to marvel at this. Because what we're seeing unfolding in this story is this God who desires to be in relationship with humanity faithfully. But the gods don't do that. The Egyptian gods, they were their gods, but they didn't, they didn't attach themselves to the people in this way. The Babylonian gods, yeah, they were the gods, but they didn't attach themselves to the people the way that this God is doing it. And I wonder, I thought about Levi's answer, and I, I wonder, does God want the world to know how he feels about his people? Is that why he's doing it? Because God can be committed to them. God can keep the promises of Abraham. Why this extra step? Is it because God wants the world to know, I love these people. I'm already in. I'm, I, I can't help it. I love them. Making it public with vows, with the giving of the name, with a legal code, a legal document, not too unlike Levi's wedding last night. Vows, the changing of a name, the signing of a legal document. And then here's the crazy thing. I don't, I don't want to spoil the story for you, but when Jesus Christ comes along, the covenant gets expanded. Jesus now says it's open to all, not just the Israelites. Gentiles, you and me, we now get to be included in this new nation that is eternally tied to Yahweh, the creator. It's unheard of. What kind of a God puts his own life and name and reputation on the line for a bunch of nobodies and knuckleheads who are prone to wander and stray. What kind of a God does that? And yet this is what we see. So my question for you today, looking at this covenant story in this way, maybe putting a new twist on it for you, how will we respond to this gracious gift and promise? Right, the terms of the covenant are this. Love God, love neighbor, make sure you're taking care of yourself too. That's it. God takes the vows extremely seriously. Can we do the same thing? Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for this ancient story in which we are beginning to see who you are, the character. And we look around today and we see a world in which promises and vows are broken every single day. And yet you call us as your people to take them seriously. And you don't ask for much. In fact, the things that you ask from us are for our benefits. They're not for yours, they're for us. And so if we just trust you, love you, love each other, and take care of ourselves, we can be whole and happy and complete. 
But even in those times when we walk away, when we turn to other things, some glimmer of something catches our eye on the other side and we turn away from you, you're still faithful to us. So faithful that you sent your son to die for us. Help us to think about your commitment to the vows that you have made to us and help us to keep them to you. Give us strength to do that. This we ask in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Terry, I'm going to ask you to come up, buddy. This is Terry Bobbitt. You have seen Terry. Uh, look at that. Look at that. They love you, buddy. Uh, Terry's been hanging out with us for several weeks, and he just kind of jumped in, just showed up and started washing dishes on Wednesday night and helping serve food and I don't know, hanging out with the young adults, just doing everything. And he came to me on Wednesday night and said, what did you say? I said, uh, I want to join and be a member of this church. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So, uh, so Terry, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. The answer is very easy. It's I will. And I'm going to ask you all a question, and the answer is very easy. You say, we will. And then you're going to come up and you're going to hug his neck after church, okay? Does that sound good? Good. Now, Terry, you have been baptized into Christ's holy church. As a member of the universal church, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? If you will, say, I will. I will. And as a member of this congregation, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. Fantastic. You all, as members of God's household, I commend Terry to your care. Will you do all in your power to increase his faith, confirm his hope, and perfect him in love? If you will, say we will. Fantastic. They love you. You're in. Give him a round of applause. All right, stand. And Terry and I are going to say a blessing over you. You don't have to say anything, but you can hold out your hand, okay? You can hold hands, too, if you want to. Folks, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are perfectly loved, you're completely forgiven, and you are uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out and live as God's faithful children. As you go, you're probably going to make some mistakes, because we all do. But I need you to know when you make those mistakes, there's nothing you can do that would make God love you any less. Because God's love for us is not based on our performance. It's rooted in His amazing grace. And it is by grace that He looks at all of us and says, You are mine and I am yours. And y'all are nothing but the best of the best of the best. Can you imagine what tomorrow would be like if you left here believing that? It might just be a brand new beginning. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go from this place in peace. Amen.